so we're starting we're starting episode 14 and uh, if you can't tell there was a story that was happening right before I was able to hit the record button so if you guys know me I do have a an addiction to a nicotine product called Copenhagen and I'm not asking for sponsorship <laughs> I'm trying to get rid of this habit um but our guest was just enlightening us on a story that... Um, my last spanking? Your last spanking. Well, the last spanking of my childhood was in third grade for chewing... Uh, tobacco. Chewing tobacco with the FFA boys at the, <laughs> at the 4-H and FFA cattle show. And my dad, I was so sick and he couldn't figure out why. And, and all the guys were looking around like, oh, oh, we're about to be in trouble. They're all in high school. And and I had the grand champion lamb and the reserve champion. So I felt like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm all that. I'm right in oh, yeah. with the big, big dogs. And, uh, but I was thrown up over the, over in the corner. <laughs> and my dad spanked me so hard and I never chewed tobacco after third grade. I wish, I wish I would have gotten that same spanking and I wouldn't have ever started this stupid <laughs> habit. So without further ado, <laughs> she has all of her teeth and she <laughs> just playing uh, a good friend, uh, a great friend. And uh, one of the biggest reasons that I am in Dell City, Texas, uh, without further ado, Laura Lynch, thanks for being on out here in the middle. Thank you, Jay. Oh, I'm my gosh. I'm loving that you're doing a podcast from Dell City, Texas. I mean, why wouldn't you do a Dell? The, the thing that gets me about Dell City is for those of us that are now local, which I guess will never be considered local, but at the same time, been here four years. If we're if we're talking about what it means to live in Dell City, a lot of people here locally kind of have that. Oh, it's Dell City. You know, they say it with a yeah. negative connotation. And why do you think that we have that? I mean, we're a tiny little town. Yeah. Why is it? Why, why do we see that? Well, when I when I grew up here and I had to leave for a couple of decades to come back and have new eyes on it. And all I saw was potential and right. opportunity and beauty. And what you guys have done to the Valley is nothing short of remarkable, spectacularly beautiful. The way you take care of everything. But I think locals, if they don't get away from it for a while and see something different, they tend to just see the same things uh, mm -hmm. here. But I left and came back and just saw how beautiful it was. And then when I created these Airbnbs, the people that come in, they tell me what I'm not even seeing. Right. The deep space uh, photographers and the stargazers and the, and the ones that have hiked every trail in the Guadalupe National Park system and the Salt Basin Dunes. They come here for so many different reasons and they love all those reasons that they, that they show up here. So that's that's an angle to it that many of the locals have never even hiked the peak. Right. And it's our highest peak in Texas. So it it, it, it seems like people try to, to close themselves off in their own little mm -hmm. world. And so. and you being gone for a couple of decades, you know, brings that fresh approach in, which any small town changes scary. Uh, that's the way it happened with the farm yeah. is we were we, we were, were really blending elected. different operations together. Right. People were looking at us like, oh, my gosh. You know, this is a scary deal, which it can be. But at the same time, your roots are still here. And so you got to see the you got to see Del City in its quote unquote heyday. I mean, when it was just well, moving. you're bringing it back. <laughs> you are bringing it back. And it's I know slow with controversy. It's it's a heavy burden, but you are doing it. So so before we get into the mini accolades of who Laura Lynch is, start us off and it. In Dell City. How did you come to grow up in Dell City? Okay, so my uncle, uh, Jim, Michael, and my father, Jack, uh, bought a lot of acreage out here in 1950. And, and they moved here with their wives. And my dad had seven children. My uncles each had three. They didn't uh, have cable TV, obviously. No. No, no cable no, TV. No cable, just a lot of chores. Right. Uh, and so farm and ranch life is really what we knew for our entire growing up formative years. And um, Dell City became this little thriving, booming town. And it was all based around the farm and ranch industry. There were a lot of sheep in the general area as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, Yeah, we're the, still dealing with sheep fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and no sheep. And no sheep. But, um, so, but it was a really wonderful place to grow up. We went away for the summers. We went abroad sometimes for school and came back and went to this wonderful little bitty uh, Dell City 
school. So it's for the rest of the that year. talk about an unbelievable, you know, the, the cocktail hours that we've gotten to enjoy together and, and talk about what what Dell City was like. You've got just archives of photos, which are so yeah. amazing. Um, the first vines planted in Dell City mm-hmm. are in the same vineyard now that that that, you're that, that we're yeah, yeah. That, that we're farming. And so there's this rich heritage, and so many people think that it has to live on a name, that it has to live on this lineage, you know, in agriculture. That well, my grandfather's grandfather's grandfather's, and and the Lynch family has been so open. And so welcoming because they're saying this, this was our farm, but we know that you guys are moving on forward with that farm and 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 it needs to be farmed. It's beautiful farm acreage. I mean, it's wonderful. And it's for us. I mean, it's, 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 it's like where we are being able to, uh, to walk in the shoes of those three brothers as they were, you know, cause there's some of the stuff that we're breaking back out and it's just an amazing, you know, you feel like they're there and their presence are there too. You know, they were businessmen. I see, I've seen multiple pictures where not only are they farmers, but they're standing next to a Minneapolis Moline in suit and ties. And yes. I'm like, I'm like, so that, that, you know, that, that, that personifies who these men were. And you had a lot of opportunities. Like you said, you traveled when abroad, talk to us about your childhood, talk to us about, you know, I, I want to get to to why the world knows you, but at the same time, I, wh- well, what I think, made you as a person? I think what forms a lot of farm and ranch kids, and certainly in our family, it was very evident that the long and varied list of daily chores uh, were just part of a way of life, and and we did it all the time, and it kind of turns people into independent thinkers and very confident because you've got to do them and you're doing them alone. Mm-hmm. You're young. I'm going to pull your mic a little closer. Anyway, so I think a lot of um, independence and confidence happens for kids that grow up in the farm and ranch life. Right. And you have the ability, you, you jump outside, you get to go run and play and you get to, you know, you get to get chased by a bug or a rattlesnake get, or coyote or whatever it's going to be. with a cactus and yeah. oh, get yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. I mean. Fix it yourself. <laughs> and and so your hard work and dedication and and to your community is evident now in the fact that if you guys ever decide you want to come visit us out here in Dell City, Laura's got an amazing group of Airbnbs. She opens them when she wants, you know, <laughs> but let us know if you if you want to come see what's going on out here because Laura's done an unbelievable job of taking buildings that that had the history, that had the ability to be something beautiful. And people rolled their eyes at you and people groveled mm-hmm. about what you were they doing. Said, push it in the landfill. Yeah, they said, just push it in. And you, I mean, were we, the spot that we, the wine bar, as we would call it, or originally known as the death trap, um, it's beautiful. It's elegant. It's a good spot to go drink a whiskey or a glass of wine and have mm-hmm. a conversation and learn about the rich heritage and culture that made Dell City. And that's all a testament to you that you're not oh, off man. gallivanting around the world. You invested your money back in the community. Yeah. A lot of money. Well, and all these buildings, they were, a lot of them were adobe and they were 1948 to 55 vintage and they were falling in, no roofs and they were full of bees and they were, I mean, there was just, but there was a lot of potential and it was contagious because once a few buildings started getting under renovation, then the neighbors started picking up and then the neighbors would repaint and, you know, so it just made little block by block. A little bit of pride. Yeah. And they just saw what could be done with just walking it over to the dumpster and we see and we see a lot today you know how many times have we driven through town and looked at property and just been like man if we could just get this and we could clean Mm -hmm. it up and we could do that well there's still several little jewels that have a long way to go but they are so worth it and and the thing is this is we're not looking to make a dell city you know i say we because we get to conspire all the time you know we don't want dell city to be marfa because marfa's got its own its own yeah but the beauty that that this valley is, and the beauty of the mountains, and and it has the culture, its own brand, oh, it's really. it's completely different than anything else. Yeah. So so to segue out of that, you you got to travel abroad. You you you, yeah. now you were telling me about a semester that you were on a ship. Well, during college, I took off with semester at sea and uh, came back and and finished my bachelor's. Uh, I went all the way through at UT Austin. What did you and, What did you get a degree in? Speech communication and minor in Spanish and journalism. And when I got out of college, I did the weekend news in El Paso for a while, got into grad school and decided, no, that's too much. The news. And I had my only child in the fall of 81. And uh, then a lot of things changed and uh, we moved to Houston. 
I had a I had a blow to the head and I permanently lost all the hearing in my left ear. But uh, I still kept playing music and the on on the side. But our life in Houston, I worked for Trammell Co- Crow Company and um, and had my little girl with me and just worked. I mean, I just remember working all the time. <laughs> Well, you still do that all the time. You there's a ton that you're doing just not only here, but you also have a home in in Fort Worth, and you're heavily involved in the community over there. Um, there's a shirt that I'm wearing though, and if you guys don't watch this on YouTube, shame on you. But at the same time, I'm wearing a shirt that says the Dixie Chicks, and uh, and this is how I was introduced to. Did you know that there's an original Dixie Chick that lives in oh, Del City, gosh. Texas? And every time that I say that, I get the same reaction from from Laura. She rolls her eyes. You're- yes, because I'm the one that got sent to the sale barn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here I am. <laughs> I'd like to take a couple quick seconds just to thank some of our sponsors. And one of those sponsors is Walls Outdoor Goods. Walls is just over the hill through the mountains across into the hill country into Fort Worth, Texas. I'm going to tell you something. These people have been working and dedicating their lifestyle to our lifestyle for eight decades. They have been making the finest outdoor workwear that you could ask for. Personally, I like the Ditch Diggers. They have a smooth waistband. It's an 11 ounce stretch cotton duck material. I have no idea what that means. I heard there's cotton in it. And so that's absolutely amazing. If you got a dad bod like me and you get out there and you start twisting and grinding and moving and trying to do something with your regular work pants on, it gets kind of uncomfortable. These babies will let you breathe a smooth move just the way that you need to groove. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to be working with Walls Outdoors. Uh, and if you're looking to, to find something to add to your workwear collection, go to walls.com. They do ship directly to your door. So even if you live out here in the middle, just like I do, they will go direct from their door to yours. And one of the things that I appreciate the most is, is they're still based in America. They still provide workwear for the American working man and woman. And uh, and having them on our team allows us to do a good job of broadcasting what's actually happening out here in the middle of somewhere. So if you're interested in looking at Walls Outdoor Goods list of awesome items that you can add to your workwear, go to walls.com. Tell them Jay sent you and we thank him so much for all the support they've given us. This podcast is sponsored by Chaffee, world-class alfalfa. Chaffee is grown in the shadows of the Guadalupe Mountains, the highest peak in the state of Texas. Our unique climate offers cool nights, warm days, and allows us to grow some of the finest forage on the face of the planet. For more information about Chaffee, please visit www.chaffee.com. So this is post sale barn. So how did you, how did you to walk us into the music world? How in the world did you become a well, Dixie chick? I, I played guitar. I practiced guitar through college and I wasn't great at it, but I really loved it. And so I, I played a lot just for fun and started playing festivals with friends. And in Houston, I really got a lot, a, a lot deeper in it. And would you say that you're musically inclined? I, I don't know that I was, but I, brought this other thing. Uh, ultimately, when we formed our group, we each brought something really unique to the to the group. I did play bass and guitar. Everybody played at least two instruments. I mean, we just had to. There were only four of us to make the entire sound for mm-hmm. a number of years. And but uh, we we just we just started playing. So uh, Marty, Emmy, Robin and I uh, met through a lot of different music festivals. And anytime you play traditional folk and bluegrass music, you end up jamming around campfires and at picking parlors and a number of places. Just, they just, that's just where we gathered. Um, and, uh, so through, through knowing them, we all had other bands kind of after hours bands, Marty and Emmy were, uh, had a high school band. And, uh, I had a band that we only played Japan. We lived in Japan for seven months and that was a lot of fun, but our bands were kind of coming apart. Do you apart. speak Japanese? No, but I had to learn to sing a few songs in Japanese, and that was fun <laughs> and funny. Right. But um, <laughs> there's a little a West Texas twang and a little bit of Konichiwa in there. That's I, yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, we when we our bands were falling apart, and we just we knew one another, and one afternoon we just said, "Gosh, let's just start playing." I mean, it's so much. Is there's no pressure? It's so much more fun. We just started jamming up several songs. We took it to the street corner because that's a great place to just try music out. I mean, nobody paid anything to see you. They don't have to stay. They don't have to, 
you know, they can leave whenever they want. And uh, so we set up right outside the convention center in the West End of downtown Dallas. And the people just, I mean, they just never left. We were, we knew 12 songs and they were just, we were deep in people. And we just kept playing the same 12 because we had nothing else. And so we went home and thought we can make this work. And we learned a bunch of music and we just started playing everything, every sandwich party in the backyard for the brownies and every, you name it, everything that we could play. And we started getting exposure that way. And we were asked to do the national anthem. That started a whole other layer of exposure. Where was the national anthem? Well, the first time we did it was at, for the Texas Rangers. And we did. uh, What was that experience like? Oh, it was so much fun. It was, this is, uh, this is years ago. And our beloved president, George Bush, was not the owner, uh, was not a governor yet. He was a co-owner of the Rangers. So he and his family were so gracious to us always. And they invited us to do the anthem. And we worked up a really beautiful three-part um, version of the national anthem that uh, it's it's really nice harmonies and, and uh, really nice pace to it. But we did it a lot. And we did it at the Cowboy Redskin games. And we played some That's not socially acceptable and, to say anymore, I guess. Huh? I, not ever. But you just I, go with what you they feel. Used to be Nobody's the telling us what we can and can't say out here <laughs> they, in the middle. They used to be the Redskins. I don't know what they're going to be. Hmm. Uh, somebody said there might be the Foreskins. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I heard. But anyway, um, so better cut that. No, you're good. (laughs) But we, these anthems, uh, the anthem gigs uh, presented a lot of other opportunity to us. We got to know a lot of people. We started playing mayoral events and uh, we played for Ross Perot's family parties and his EDS employee of the year. And that was another layer of exposure. Uh, we were on KERA with our first radio um, song. I think I sent you the, the link on yep. that or the, the name on that. Um, and our first little bit of international exposure was in Ripley's, believe it or not. That's so hokey as that sounds. That's when we got uh, any kind of international exposure. So, And that's a cartoon, a uh, syndicated cartoon. That's awesome. But so now we're just uh, into about 89 or 90 we made a little record, and we sold a ton of them. We spent seven thousand dollars and sold a hundred thousand copies out of basically out of the trunk of our car. So how does you you know? And now anybody knows the the name. Well, I guess it's the chicks now. Right. It's no longer speaking of the Redskins, but how how you we hear all the horror stories of recording and 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 what it really means to dive into recording a, a record and getting a label and doing all of this, how much work is really involved in becoming, and did you ever think that you would become a famous person? Well, I don't really see myself as that famous. Oh, I well. mean, we had, we had a lot of opportunities. Our, our opportunities to open for people like Garth Brooks and Alan Jackson and Loretta Lynn and Merle Haggard. And I mean, the list is long of who we got to open for. But sometimes that opening spot is not that fun. When Garth put out the dance, all anybody could yell during our set of opening was Garth, Garth, Garth. Right. Okay, we're kind of in the way. Right. Our, you know, designated nine song opener. And then we get out of the way and then they get to see what they really came for. Mm-hmm. So it's not all that fun to be an opener for somebody of that scale. But, um, but we did get a lot of opportunities. We were invited by um, then uh, George Bush became governor and he invited us to play his inaugural ball in Austin. And that was a huge, very high honor. And I've always considered them friends and, and very much uh, admired uh, people in my world. And, and uh, the things that uh, they did for us, they, they really made things uh, wonderful for us every step of the way that they could. So you're, you're, you're looking for, a, you're looking for a company, right? So you're, you're writing music now. Oh, from a recording standpoint, we, we didn't think we were ever going to be ready in the first several years for a label. We didn't have something that you could slot into a genre of music other than folk, traditional. And I mean, we were anything but pure country or pop or we weren't any of those things. So nobody's going to spend big money. And this is the early nineties. 
And so the early 90s countries starting to go through this really big change of what makes it, you know, because if you look at 80s, 70s, 60s, you know, we went from the cowboy era mm-hmm. to starting to understand the redneck era mm-hmm. a little bit. But then all of a sudden you start to see this huge change where it's not there's a tear in my beard because I'm crying for mm-hmm. you, dear. It's, mm-hmm. you know you're starting to see a little pop influence. Yeah. And so people are really having this tug of war about, well, what is country music? There's yeah. the, let's put the O back in country came out in the same mm-hmm. time, you know, and, and people are saying, what's going on with that? And you guys aren't fitting a specific Anything. genre. Right. And Can't place us in a, in a bin at the record store. So, but we didn't really have that in our sights. We were so happy playing really fun gigs. I mean, we were, with Liza Minnelli for two weeks and Bob Hart and Larry King. I mean, we got to meet all these unusual people, Dionne Warwick and Marvin Hamlish. And uh, that was one night at the Spring Creek Festival. And and what are the odds that this little hillbilly makers would play with that level of musician? But anyway, things like that just evolve. Uh, if you're, if you show up and you're available and you just, Half the deal is showing up prepared. So how much time is your, is your building, you know, like you're saying, you're playing on street corners to go into playing the national anthem and governor's balls and you're opening for Garth Brooks and you're doing all of these kind of crazy things. How much sleep are you getting in those days? Not very much. I mean, in the early years, I was, had a baby in the backpack at the picking parlor, you know, and then, but no one else had children. I was the only one with, with children. I'm a lot older than everybody. Uh, than Marty and Emmy, but um, we just made it work. Mm-hmm. We we just worked and we made it work. And we were also really dear friends and that helped a lot. But we, you know, I, I wanted to go into this uh, real quick because I get asked about it so often. The comment that was made, uh, I hate to be negative just for a moment, but I think the shock was that it was, it was off brand. We, what we built we intrinsically were a, a group that invited and had in our audience three generations of people. Mm-hmm. We had families and children, and I mean, we we never had any any kind of negative uh, energy around us. We didn't we didn't even hire people that smoked cigarettes. I mean, you didn't have time for no, that. No, it was that was not who we were. As an, the image of the band was really who we were. Just wholesome. We play in anybody's bar mitzvah and boy scout event whatever we would just play it all and um so i think we were highly consumable in that in that genre and there's something about pop culture that uh did not ever resonate with who we were and how we were mm-hmm. um it's just it's not often that you you find anything faith based or family based in pop culture. So we didn't really go down that road, but we sold a lot of product and t-shirts and we made coloring books and, you know, we did, we did funny stuff like that. So with, with you doing those kind of things, you know, the, the, the comment did come out and I remember, I mean, I, I remember watching yeah, radio, I remember watching radio shows, grabbing CDs and running over them with a tractor. And, uh, well, that never would have happened on my watch. And, and, Sometimes people have thought that, wait a minute, were you still there when that happened? I was long gone. Right. It never would have happened. And and the saddest part is that it is what keeps getting relived and replayed. And, and, and it's, the it's, fool it's, returns to his folly. And and it's a it's a terrible memory for that band. Well, interestingly enough, because you, you talk about some of your starts and how how the Bush family was so they involved. were so supportive and so such a fantastic group of people just to even be in their midst was an honor. And they are probably single-handedly the reason that we were invited to play the presidential ball. When Clinton was elected, uh, we were invited to DC to play that ball and, and met so many things good that came out of our relationship with that spectacular family. And so for, uh, for that comment, uh, well, you were such you, a spectacular person. That was the shock. You it weren't was, associated with the band at that time, but it's still way. correlated back to you because you were. Unfortunately, you were the original. Some assumptions got made, but everybody that knows me, of course, my right. inner circle knows that that would never have happened on my 
watch. Absolutely. I, I, it was so unfortunate in every way. And um, I don't I, know. I, I don't know. You know, and I know some of these, these questions are tough, but eventually you signed with Sony. Yeah, that was uh, early 1995. And uh, that was so exciting because that was three albums into it. And the third album, i got to say, was dismal. I, I didn't enjoy making it. We We should have recorded our own music. I think we just lost a little steam. We were pooped out. And so we didn't record our own music on that album. We had a chance to. But anyway, Sony Sony realized that, that the work ethic and the following was very real. Our mm-hmm. fan base was rock solid. And I would say in general, it was quite conservative. Um, if I had to, you know, write some kind of a label on it. But it was a rock solid, fun fan base. And we got gifts and invitations and letters and we played at children's schools and at hospitals and we did a lot of free concerts just because it's the right thing to do and um but uh where were we going with this well I, it, we're signing the label with with sony oh, yeah by the end of 95 um and when we had a lot of new music in the can and some of the music ended up on the wide open spaces album but we um I was sent to the sale barn then at the end of 95 and Natalie came in. She's just a few years older than my daughter. Right. <laughs> so this is the deal. It's, right. You know, pop culture values these awful things like these temporary things like fashion, beauty, materialism, and you know, all that. And I, I thought we could have this long many decades career that could be more Andrew sisters like, but but still more hip and to the times. So but what did it look like? What was it? What I mean, I'm sure you remember the conversation, but so you've signed the record, you're excited, everything's going, you signed the label, you're, you're excited. And then all of a sudden bombs over Baghdad. Yeah, it was, it was really sad. And I know, you know, when Marty and Emmy came to my house, I know it was really hard for them. Really, really hard. But they, I mean, look at all the Grammys they've won. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't have done that. I, I have no hearing in one ear. I, they wouldn't have those Grammys, you know, had, had I been there. But, but those two, you know, you, you were, you were a founding sister in that. Yeah. And so we all brought something very individual to the table, but when, when a big machine gets, comes in and gets behind you like Sony, and that is a big machine. What does that, what does that mean? What is a big machine? Well, they've got, they've got an entire social media team. They've got a photography team. They've got stage sets and, and costume people and makeup people and hair people, image makers. These are really serious, big dollars they're going to put behind your album, behind the promotion, behind the, the selling of everything that's Dixie Chicks. At right. that time, it was Dixie Chicks. And so they want to make absolutely sure they're going to get a return on that money because they're going to spend a lot. Mm-hmm. And so they're, you know, if, if, it's, if it looks like it needs to go in a different direction, they're going to encourage that it does. But I think Marty and Emmy had made that decision kind of on their own. I mean, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than they are. And so age is just a number and you've proven not that. Not in pop culture. <laughs> so that's what I was getting at is. Pop, unless you're Cher. <laughs> yeah, but I, Lord Lynch, I mean, you, not only because you're sitting here, but you're beautiful. I told you earlier, oh, I was going through a file here and I was like, Lord Lynch, you're hot. And it's, it's. Maybe way back then in whatever no, file you were going through, what? but. But at this at the same time, so you, you know what Phyllis Diller said. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you've had the wind taken out of your sails. Mm. I mean, it's, your life has completely slapped you in the face, and yes, it's you I, and your daughter. I had to get back up, and I and I got a job at uh, I was executive assistant at UT Southwestern Medical Center. Like two and a half months later, because if I had sat around and thought about it, I. It was so devastating. It was a. It was so sad for me, and and onward and upward. And I was and I was so happy to see them soar and go and do so well. But you know, everything comes to an end. It might happen at thirty eight or forty eight or sixty eight, but it will happen. It, oh, yeah. it just everything comes to an end, and so that was the end of that for me. But it really actually opened up a whole other way of looking at things. I've kind of done something different every decade of my life. And don't be changing you know, no. a decade in, in Dell city was renovating old buildings and, you know, 
not over. I mean, don't, no. don't, <laughs> yeah, don't, we've got a few more buildings. Yeah. Agreed. We're not done yet. Um, <laughs> so you, you've picked yourself up and you've said, okay, this is, this is not just my defining factor. Right. I'm not just music. Um, but is there still in the back of your mind, is there still something that says, man, I should have been, I should have still been with this. I should have. I don't think so. I, I got married about two years later and, and served on the Fort Worth opera board and the Fort Worth ballet board and the national cowgirl museum board. And those, those board events were really, they were really fun and rewarding. And I loved it. Made a lot of great friends in in Fort Worth and really was part of that community. And, and road life is very lonely. It seems like it would be just all glamour and fun. And, you know, it's not. Katie and I were having a conversation because when, when we moved to Del City and, and still to this day, it's not like we're a widely accepted, you know, couple. Uh, the, the fact that the farm is is a large farm and, and people are always going to watch exactly what we're doing and how we're operating. Uh, it gives you a, a certain sense of isolation. Yeah. At the same time, we were talking about if, if someday we had to move to a big city and there's so many people around and Katie said, you're such a social butterfly. You would just fit right in. Yeah. When I think of loneliness, I think of a big city. I think of just tons of people because my ability to connect and have a relationship like what me and you have been able to yeah. culture is because it's we don't, we don't have a lot of options here. And then you start to find the nuggets of really what makes a person and how that they are and get to understand how beautiful your heart truly is, oh, is one of those things that, so that, that, thank you. That's, <laughs> so how do you think I got always. Katie? No, but, but it, it really is. It's one of those things where I could see how the road would be lonely because you're surrounded by people all the time, but you're only getting it's a all snippet. Strangers. It's all, all strangers, strangers and it's a snippet of their life. You're not actually getting to, you know, understand who they are. They don't know who you are. They just know that you're some famous person that plays a guitar and sings really well. Yeah. And so, and so it's interesting enough to, to me to not interesting, but it, it, I understand that. I understand so how you that walk off stage and you at back in those days, we didn't, we very rarely got on a plane, but we'd walk off stage and get on a bus mm-hmm. after tearing our own equipment down. It wasn't fun. We didn't have a whole lot of handlers. Right. We got a few toward the end, but um, you know, nothing like what goes on now, mm-hmm. nothing at all, but you know, but that was, it seems like it was three lifetimes ago, that, that band life. And like Jack was saying this morning, well, almost all millennials would not know anything about any version of the Dixie Chicks other than what they know right now. That there was never a, a four piece in the beginning and then a three piece that was anything other than what it is. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that, yeah, I've been gone that long and, and I have, but I've, I haven't longed for it or missed it or wished that uh, I was still there. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I was going to go towards next is, I mean, is there, do you, is there still a little bit of deep seated animosity in the fact that no. they blew up and you didn't, you didn't run with them? No. The only problem I have with the memory of it is that they attacked such a spectacular person. Right. Our president, George Bush should never have been spoken about in those terms, but Anyway, moving on to the positive stuff, not being there, I have this incredible relationship with my grandkids. I'm with them all the time. They come out here and this is like a boy playground. Right. The farm and ranch life is perfect for them. I mean, they're older now, 13 and 11, but they've been coming out here and helping me renovate buildings forever. It's so, it's so awesome too to, uh, to watch Laura's grandkids come out because she's like, Hey, is it okay? We're going to go to the junkyard. And I mean, they're out there <laughs> going through the junkyard. The just, you, oh yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a tetanus nightmare, but it's in time. mud. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so awesome to see you, your life story is something that you could write an unbelievable book. If you haven't even oh, started it, you that. probably should start. But what, what after music, what brought you back to small town America? Um, let me see. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, so Laura is the first guest that we've had that has come prepared with notes. So well, because I can really get into the weeds. If you give me, we, I, we like the weeds around here. Mile, Obviously soon we're on a topic. No one wanted to know about spray the snot out of them, but they grow back. And, and, I've even got notes. Look at me. So, so, I mean, really, music is over. 
and and you're you've decided okay i've got to do something you, okay you so got married yes that that was a really great it was really fun but it didn't last okay um that was one decade but um but i now i'm involved with the rare earth deposit in Hudspeth county i mean in and, and, and so been part of that for about 10 years and you're trying to hook me up with somebody that can yes. dig us deeper into the rare earth world absolutely i i hope to have dan gorski the ceo of texas mineral resource corporation here at the end of the week he's uh, in sierra blanca right now at the deposit but and i don't want to blow all my bubbles at once about about that because it really take it really deserves a whole podcast but we have a deposit in this county that is remarkable and it's untapped we have a lot of lab assays and things we can go into that when well this is this is the thing that that really is is interesting because if you're listening to this you've probably painted the picture of a beautiful dark-haired woman standing on stage with her guitar singing you know and then all of a sudden we're going let's talk about mining Oh. And I like that. I mean, that's. The, well, I'm kind of an amateur geologist, but not, you know, not great at it. My wife would say the same, but she has to wear it. Oh, that's the only jewel she wants to look at. Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, I've been, never been a diamond girl, but, but this is a, this deposit is, is really kind of a game changer. And it's happening right here in our county. If we can get it done, we have a lot of attention now from the Department of Defense and hope that continues. There's a lot of interest in it, but USA Rare Earth got involved with us. Uh, should I go into any of this, or you, do you want to save it for the? No, for you. I one? mean, you go with what okay. you feel. Okay. Well, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you out of the mine though, and I'm gonna oh, pull okay. you back into Del City. Okay. Later. Yeah. Go. Well, so, when we when we explore this uh, USA Rare Earth on the maybe a subsequent podcast, we can kind of go more into what it what the nuts and bolts of it are. So, so we'll go ahead and pluck you out of the mine right now. Okay. You, you live part-time in Dell city, part-time in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. You've been spending here the last year. You've been spending a majority of your time in Fort Worth. Um, uh, yeah, 60, like kind of 60, two 40 weeks, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Oh, so 50, yeah. 50, um, people already associate you with the Dixie chicks with yeah. stardom and you're in a small community. And interaction with community members, thinking that you might be somebody, you know, and that, that was kind of the thing that I, I I was wondering about a lot when I first met you as well. Wow, this person is she's such a normal everyday, you know, and I don't mean this to say you're just one of us normal people, but but. <laughs> You I'm are in horrible looking work clothes. I look like I live under a bridge. No, my gosh, you do not. Luckily, it, I don't. At the, <laughs> at the same time, you know, how do you handle people that have read about you? And how do you handle, you know, even with me, there's a certain well, sense a, of popularity and people want to judge you for everything that you've done. And and so what are some of the tips that you have for just living your everyday best life? Everything goes to lead by example, I think. I, I think that's just applies to any walk of life for any reason. Be the change you want to see. You know, lead by example. And if you hope something happens, get about doing it. And others may follow suit. Mm-hmm. I've seen a real slow version of that here. Of course, you stepped on the gas pedal when you guys got here because I've never seen it change so quickly, so beautifully. And your hand is in all of it, and I love it Oof, so much. That, sometimes I feel like we've missed a gear, though. Well, and the, I mean, the Chaffee <laughs> plant is a remarkable addition, and, and the expansion that you've done there, it's gorgeous. You've put out an incredible product. I'm going to drag you to the Fort Worth Livestock Show and Rodeo. So we, we've been the talking. the trade show, I and I want you to be there, <laughs> and they're going to love you. They're going to eat you up. You You've had the opportunity to... You know, so, so you're doing community involvement here, which is met with some bit of, you know, don't change what we have. We don't want to change. You know, that's the, the farming world has been the same way. Don't change the farming world because it's been it's been the same way forever. And how dare you think that that we needed something could be different? Yes. Oh, and, no. Oh, my gosh. And if it works, then shame on you. And if it doesn't work, then ha ha, I told you so. You started spending some time back in Fort Worth. And just through that, I've gotten to meet some very amazing friends of yours. And I look forward to meeting more of your friends. But at the same time, 
What do people think about you coming from small town America? And what do they think about Bell City? Well, some of them have, have Googled it. They said, oh, I want to go there. I want to stay in one of your Airbnbs. Then they'll Google it and go, mm, maybe not. Maybe just a day trip. <laughs> right. <laughs> because we'll they, the Google uh, map that you see online is from February of 2012. It looks dismal and dried up. And I mean, it's an awful looking uh, spot. We still have a lot of work to do, though. So. Well, yeah, if they could do a current one in a in a lush month like now, that that would go a long way right. for our exposure. But um, some friends have come out and, and they love it. Some People are, some are coming out. back into the community. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some are like moving. A couple have bought homes here and they're doing their own renovations. This is a very economical place to have a second home. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you don't want to move here, have a little second home here right at the western slope of the Guadalupe Mountain. I mean, it's, it's stunning, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. Do you do you think that being in the music business has correlated to your success in in life? And I'm going to say that you're one of the most successful people that I've ever met in my life, not talking about finances, but I'm just talking about your persona and the way that you carry yourself and the way that you interact with people. You exude success and it makes people gravitates people to you because you're so open, engaging, even if they're kooky. Or even if people find you kooky, your 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 ability to be able to to bridge a conversation and say, "Listen, this is what we can do, and this is how I do it." And then you you trust me, Laura Lynch will tell you what she thinks. There is no yes. bullshit in the no middle filter. of this. It is it's a problem. <laughs> this is how it's going. So, with with that being said, you know how how do you foresee the future of where we're at? How is this moving forward? In as Del- City? Yes, let's let's talk about home here. Well, I think we can get. Uh, Get some more activity and excitement on the city council and work together with some city projects. But I think the marketing of this valley in general uh, can go a lot farther. I've, I've been told to put to put this on the map in Stargazers magazines and uh, write articles in, in various hiking magazines and whatnot because it's such an unusual, clean, beautiful place. I mean, it's pristine everywhere you look. What's your favorite thing about Dell City besides the fact that you grew up here? Ah, uh, the potential is there is just potential everywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I might have another building in me. You know, I don't know. I've done <laughs> ten of them, and I'm and I'm kind of pooped, and I've spent a lot of, a lot of time and resources doing it, but no regrets at all. I'm really glad I've done it. Um, maybe partnering on something that that goes into a, a bigger industry, not just lodging. But we do need we do need a handful of smaller businesses, kind of regular things. Yeah, yeah we need small we, businesses, and we need some housing for that to happen. Um, another thing too is is your your ability to say that you came from here, and and you live in Fort Worth sometime, you know, and you go out to dinner, and they're like, "Well, where are you from?" And most people will say, "Oh, yeah, Dell City. Where where is Dell City?" You tell them where they're at. What is what what actually does it mean to you to put Del City on this on the map? Do you want Del City to 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 morph itself into something better? Which I say yes, you do. But yeah, how- I mean, I think it could be a beautiful tourist mecca more than it already is. We don't get a giant number of people coming through here and staying here compared to what the national park gets. So what? Miles away, hundred and I think it's one hundred and seventy eight thousand visitors a mm-hmm. year. And nobody even knows that this town exists. Hardly. Yeah. yeah. So when your dad and his brother started breaking ground in Dell City, what was their what was their reasoning? What was their of course it's monetary gain, but at the same time, why why Dell City? Well, they loved farming for one thing. It was really in their bones. They loved it. They all three loved it, and they were good at it. And mm-hmm. each one, again, each one brought something different to the table, a different set of skills. Each one of them possessed. And I think they were um, they were real humanitarians. I mean, they they employed people that were by any other definition unemployable, and they taught them important skills. Mm-hmm. And they grew a lot of friends that way. And when the Bracero program was in full swing, this town was really rocking. And that was a good long nine year run, eight or nine year run. And uh, so that. That showed a lot of what could be 
be out here. And that's when so, the 30 so businesses were on Main Street. What were the businesses? What was going on? I mean, how was... Well, how we was... had everything from uh, another gas station, Shine, more stores. We had a big mercantile. Um, oh, I think we had two insurance agencies. There was a land office where Kitty lives right now. And uh, there was... There was like eight bars or something. Yeah, we had some bars. Yeah, and definitely. And a bunch of bars, and there was a bunch of churches. Lots of churches with active congregations. Mm-hmm. Now, when the congregations, when the, when the work started thinning out, the congregate as the population went down, so did the congregations. Several churches just had to had to close. Mm-hmm. And um, but talk about great buildings! Gosh, they're beautiful. So how do you see how do you see Dell City growing in the future? Like how do we how do we bring people out here? And besides city council and and those kind of things. Well, oddly, I got a call about two weeks ago from a girl that wants to start a piñata factory out here, and I think it's adorable. I love hitting piñatas. The idea is so cute. She just she wants to be out of city life. She hardly has any any resources, but. You can make piñatas out of gypsum and water, and you can make plaster of Paris pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And with a creative mind and a bunch of paper and some popsicle sticks, she wants to start something here. And she called me about lodging if she does that. And uh, so I'll I'll be talking to her again, but um, I actually don't know where to put her. Right. <laughs> and if and and what's next in the ask on on that starting a little piñata factory here. But anyway, that, that goes small. You can edit that. That's that what, that's what, hap- that's what happens in out here in the middle. We go from Dixie chicks to piñatas. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I feel like a piñata. Luckily you can cut all that out. No. <laughs> no, I'm counting good. on some of that. Um, but no, I think getting people out here to see what we have, what is just naturally us, what's here already. And then building on that, we need exposure. Mm-hmm. And we need to highlight what what we've got and promote what we've got and polish up more more of what we've got. And there is a you know there is a limited little pie slice of what we can offer because we have some we have some infrastructure limitations. Right. We don't have a lot of housing. We don't have you know some of those things. Some of the comforts. I don't know what the future holds. I think course. people like living more simply, and especially during COVID, we had no cases out here. And had I not blocked my Airbnbs, I probably would have been swimming in people. Right. Um, but uh, I blocked them, and um, because it was it was pretty thin at mm-hmm. first, and there just wasn't any reason to stay at the ready uh, all the time. But I think spotlighting what we do have. Can certainly help. Living living on the western slope of the Guadalupe Mountains is one of the most beautiful views in the desert southwest, in my opinion. And Katie told me this. She said, "There's no way that I would have been able to move to Del City if we wouldn't didn't have the mountains." Yeah. And uh, and for people that are listening to this, if somebody's got a small business that can handle online orders and can do those kind of things. If they're interested in maybe pursuing something in Del City, how would they go about doing that? Because we don't have a real estate office. We don't have a, anything like that. We anymore. don't have a council. We don't, well, we don't have a city council. That's right. Uh, we, you know, so I think they could contact individual community leaders if they can, you know, get to people like you and, and I don't know. Yeah, you're reach, welcome to reach out to Laura or myself yeah. or the team at Chaffee or whatever it would be and bring an idea to the table and let's kind of see if we can flesh it out and make it, make it happen for people. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think COVID has made people want to get out of tightly packed cities Mm -hmm. and, and especially the almost retired folks. Well, they're retiring and, and because now it seems natural just to go ahead and keep staying at home, but they don't want to be where they are. No, this is a very economical place for people to live. So as we're getting closer to wrapping up, I want to know what advice do you have for that young gal that wants to get into music? Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's, it's a do it for your own pleasure, your own heart's delight. Mm -hmm. And that's going to work out 
great as far as just personal reward because you'll be doing something that you really love. But if you get into it to quote make it, uh, it's it is uh, there's no soul in the business end of the music business. It is it's extremely cutthroat. It's all about marketing and and uh, and visuals and sales and. It's not about the music. It's less and less about the music and more about other things. If you if you could go back, would you have done it again? I think I would have wanted us to record our own music more. We did a lot of we did music from other people, mm-hmm. and I think we should have trusted our instincts on what we were able to write because we wrote some pretty cute stuff, mm-hmm. pretty fun stuff, always really upbeat. Um, and that's the other aspect in pop culture. It kind of tends to go a little negative, but we, we kept it up and fun. And that's why when I walked in here, I'd been listening to Happy People, right. Little Big Town. It's just such a great song. And it just lifts you up. And that's, that's especially with COVID and the way that things have been going. People are so downturned right now. It's Everything is so it's negative. what you look at and listen to. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep it, keep it on the sunny side and usually goes a lot better. Orleans, what's your biggest fear in life? I had to write this one down because I really thought about uh, No, I, I'm not very fearful anymore of anything. I'm prayerful of many things. That's saying a lot. Mm-hmm. That's saying a whole lot. Yeah, the fear is pretty much gone. So you're not fearful, you're prayerful. Yes. Who is your hero? That is the toughest question because you, you want to eliminate family members, but... My dad and my uncles, everyone pales in comparison to them because what I saw them do with their bare hands and just with perseverance, the perseverance and just the getting back up every single day over and over to make it work. I just, I, they'd have to be my heroes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's not an acceptable answer, but we'll go ahead and okay. let you say that. <laughs> with, with that, is there anything you'd like to say in closing? You got anything? I just love that all you guys are here. Well, I we're love just it so much. We're 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 it's honored to be able to have difference. have the space. We actually we're actually in one of your spaces is where we put our. Well, it's never looked this good. <laughs> this is beautiful. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, you offer advice. You offer unsolicited. Uh, unsolicited sometimes, <laughs> and it's great. We need that. I just want to say how much we appreciate you and appreciate you you, willing to sit on here with us and and talk and and then all the opportunities that you bring to the table. Um, The rare earth. I'm excited to talk about this a little bit more because it, it has to do with a lot of facets of our day-to-day life that nobody knows about. Don't think about it. The reason that your phone will vibrate on silent is because of a rare earth magnet. Right. That we sold to China. We buy every rare earth we use from China. Oh, that's a, such a four. But we don't word. have to. Golly. With that, thanks for listening to episode 14. Out here in the middle, we will, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. We've got a week packed full of podcasts. So we might be putting a couple out in one week. I don't know. We'll just see what Daniel has to say. He's over there nodding his head. But uh, our executive producer, Dan Mendez, awesome videographer and whatever your cool title might be, Richie. Thank you. Sarah Sawmiller. Thanks for getting everything together from all of us out here in the middle. We gone.